Hey friends, welcome to Tuesday, May the 3rd. I hope your May's off to a good start. It's hard to believe it's May, but I'm so glad May is here. Uh, the weather is improving, at least where I live. And uh, wherever you're joining me from, thanks for taking this journey through the Psalms. If you're new, we're slow walking through the Psalms. One verse, one chapter at a time. And today we're in Psalm 47. We read it yesterday. We set it up. It's a psalm that lifts up God and celebrates him. And let me tell you something, friend. Uh, no matter where you are in life, no matter what's coming upon you or what you're going through, if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with God based on mercy and grace provided only through Jesus, not through religion, not through good works, not through your moralistic behavior or achievement, but through Christ alone, if you know God, in that relationship, then you always have something to celebrate because your sovereign God is not just a dis distant judge of the universe to be feared in terms of terror and fright, but he is your father and your faithful friend. And he is ultimately in charge and in control of everything. And he is bringing all of humanity and all of time itself to a grand conclusion uh, under his rule and reign forever and ever and ever. And so you're on the winning side and he will be triumphant. Even though in the moment it might seem like he uh, is inactive in your life or in the world around you, that is not true. And in ways that are only uh, beautiful and wonderful to you, he can, he can let you know how active and how present he is in his spirit, in his grace, really in his power in your life if you'll let him. And so a psalm like this is not just an ancient celebration that we kind of retroactively dip our toe into. It's more than that. It's the Word of God, and it is an invitation as His people, as an individual, as you and your church body, uh, your family and friends that know the Lord. It is an invitation into a lifestyle of, of celebration, corporate celebration, individual celebration, but exaltation of our King and our God. And it is meaningful on a personal level because you can worship God on a bike ride or at the gym or at lunch. You can worship God in private in your car. And there have been lots of times that I've had uh, these kinds of experiences we're going to read about privately and personally. And, and then you should, on a regular basis, weekly if not more so, you should gather with your church family and worship Him corporately and do what this psalm is telling us to do. So in this psalm, we are invited into a lifestyle of worship and praise and exaltation, celebration of victory. It's often a victory we have experienced in Christ. It is a victory we are experiencing day to day to day. It is a victory we are, are assured of that we will experience. And so we can always look forward in hope and anticipation. And so we're going to pick it up in verses 1 and 2. Um, and, and see what this psalmist is celebrating and how. So a big part of a psalm like this is God is not just telling us in, in the form of a command to celebrate. He's not just inviting us and giving us reasons to celebrate uh, and trying to enlarge our view of him and, and, and therefore our view of all that he's doing in our lives and in the world around us and all that he will do. But he's telling us how. He's telling us what he enjoys, okay, how he wants us to behave when we come into his presence. If you are like me, you've had experiences at two ends of the spectrum in terms of how to behave in worship, okay. 
I would say one end is almost like everybody's sitting on their hands, afraid to respond, afraid to have any real emotion or passion in the experience, afraid to experience it, frankly. It's as though worship has to be sanitized and completely restrained. You know, we are, we are, we are, we're, we have to be on our very best behavior and sing quietly and behave very uh, reservedly. That's one end of the spectrum. And in many cases, the person at that end of the spectrum kind of disengages. It's boring. It's unemotional. It's uneventful. It doesn't move me. Uh, I'm just going through the motions. It becomes, it tends to become rote tradition. The other end of the spectrum is people going crazy. Like so much expression, so much demonstration, so much out of themselves that it's almost people calling attention to themselves and and distracting everybody around them. So then it almost becomes a competition to see see who can be the most obnoxious in experiencing the spirit. You know, it becomes just a it just becomes an equal opposite demonstration that's equally distracting. One is completely disengaging and one is completely distracting. And both neither one, neither extreme, the ditch on both sides of the road really takes our focus off of the Lord and uh, focuses in one extent, it focuses on behavior, you know, reserved behavior, respect maybe. On the other end of the spectrum, it focuses on extreme experience and it conjures up and focuses on creating and, 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 and stirring up almost an, emot- an emotional and mystical and sensational experience which can go off the rails. Somewhere between those poles is the authentic experience of real jubilant worship. And if there's anything I've learned this year from studying God's word, it's that we serve a jubilant God. Yes, he's serious. Yes, he's holy. Yes, he is to be feared in terms of reverence and awe, but he is a happy God. He invented happiness. He wants to make his people joyful. He wants to give us what we need and more than enough so we can share with others. He just wants his kids to be jubilant. So if we can thread the needle between sitting on our hands and uh, being distracting to others around us, how does God want us to worship him in spirit and in truth? All right, here we go. Enough of me. Eight minutes of me. Let's read the Bible. Here we go. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto the God. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord most high is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. So let's just talk about these two verses. Well, first of all, oh, clap your hands. Did you ever grow up in a church that didn't clap? Maybe you grew up in a church that clapped a lot. I've seen both. Uh, when I came to Emmanuel, nobody clapped. I came from a church prior to Emmanuel that clapped only for people, only only when, you know, when there was some, some uh, notorious preacher. We'd clap for him or giving somebody an award, we'd clap for them, but we never clapped during worship. Hey, to each his own. I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just saying, uh, when I came to Emmanuel, I started clapping, uh, not, not clapping for a performance or a presentation, clapping for the truth that was just sung about our God, clapping in exaltation of God. My point, friends, is that we come from a world that claps for the arts or claps for humanity or claps for everything but worship. And God says, clap for me, clap for him. Okay. So um, I think clapping is biblical. Clap your hands. Hey, we clap at ball games, we clap at concerts, we clap for everything else. 
if there's ever a time that is most appropriate for clapping, for making some noise in celebration of God, it is when we worship him at church with our church family. And so, you know, every Sunday I clap. I don't care if anybody else claps. At first they started to, and you know, then they were kind of, is this okay? And then finally I got up and said, hey, let's clap. If you believe what was just sung, if you want to celebrate it, clap with me. I'm going to clap. And now pretty much everybody claps. Uh, I don't know if they're just following me or if they are uh, truly in their hearts celebrating, but I know what I hope. I hope it's authentic. But God says, hey, it's okay to clap your hands. Clap your hands, all you people. So he wants everybody. He wants everybody to be engaged. And then shout unto God. Uh, that's another thing I do in church. So when we're done with a song, I clap and I go, yes, amen. That's right. I shout it. I I have to respond. And it, it's not contrived. It's not mechanical. It's not artificial for me. It's um, it's celebratory. And I need Sundays. And I, and I, by the way, don't tell anybody, I do this in my car. I've done this on my bike. I do this at times. Um, sometimes I'm on an airplane listening to my earbuds and I'm, I just, I want to, I don't want to freak people out, but it's, it's there. It's in me. You know, I want to express my celebration of the reality of God in my life and uh, what he's done. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You say, well, I feel like a failure, but God is your triumph. Well, I feel like things are going badly, but you're going to triumph and he's going to bring you triumph. You are already a victor in Christ. So you can shout, you can celebrate, you can clap for the victory that is coming, okay? And friend, that's some of the truest praise is when we praise in anticipation of what God is going to do because we're declaring out loud, we're driving our hearts deep in the fact, we're preaching to our own souls is what we're doing, the fact that God's gonna win this and my enemy will not triumph over me. For the Lord most high, he is, he, there is nobody higher. There was nobody greater. There is no entity more powerful, more knowledgeable, more present, more in control. There is no entity higher. And this most high God is my friend. He's my savior. He's my shepherd. He's my father. He walks with me. He loves me. He cherishes me. He sings over me. My, my name is etched in his wounds. He has redeemed me. He has adopted me. He has called me by name. He knows my name. He knows where I am. He knows where you are. And he is terrible. Now, that sounds like a terrifying word. Terrible. Yeah, he's terrible to his enemies. I'm his child. I'm riding in the backseat of the car, and his eyes are flaming forward, triumphing over every threat against me. He stands between me and my enemies, and he is terrible. He is a great king. What do we think of when we think of a king? We think of someone that we want to basically uh, make life better for us, protect us, uh, protect the economy, protect our state, protect our territory, protect my family, give me a safe pasture to live in, uh, an opportunity to grow in health and to raise my family. So God is a great king. All the earthly kings are gonna fail me. They're all imperfect, call it a king, Call it a president, call it a prime minister. They're all going to fall. They're all going to falter and fail. So he is a great king over all the earth. He's not just my father and friend. He's in charge of everything that's going on completely, entirely, 100%. My friend, bring your heart to a place today where you can clap and where you can shout for joy. Maybe pick up uh, some Christian music. Maybe dial up Shane and Shane or the Gettys or Brooklyn Tabernacle and celebrate who your God is today. 
Thanks for joining me. We'll see you tomorrow.